Welcome to the Pursue Whole Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Maurer, and in this podcast, I share my insights as a leadership coach and former therapist. I sit down with some of the highest level leaders in business, entertainment, and human performance to help you pursue wholeness in your work, life, and relationships. Thanks for joining me. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Pursue Whole podcast. Here at Pursue Whole, we believe that leaders have the power to change the world, but whole leaders are going to change that world for the better. When leaders place their identity in what they do, specifically their title, accomplishments, or their status, they're often going to sacrifice what's most important in their life for that identity or for that success. And this is one of the big things that inhibits leaders from impacting the world through wholeness, impacting the world positively as whole leaders. So today we're asking the question, is work too much of your life? And we're going to give you five techniques on how to work through that. One of the exercises that I'll do with groups of leaders, whether it's CEOs or executive leaders in business or entertainment, is we'll sit down and I'll ask them, if someone was to wipe your memory completely, what are the three top memories that you would not want them to take away? These are moments and memories that you have in your life that you would not want to lose. And inevitably, they always come back to relationships, whether it's a birth of a child or a wedding or a significant experience they had with a family member or a friend. And that's just very telling because they spend so much of their time and energy wrapping up their identity in success and money and fame. And yet, why do we spend so much time and energy investing into those things when it's actually the relationships that matter most in our life? We're going to talk about that because when work is too much of your life, your relationships, those things that are most important in your life, will inevitably suffer. Kim is back with me today. Kim, welcome. Yeah, it's good to be here. Kim, share with us a couple ways that we see this play out with our clients when work is too much of their life. When work is too much of a client's life, we often hear them say, like, without this, what do I have to offer, right? They have so much of their identity wrapped up in their resume and all of these accolades of things that I've accomplished. And at the end of their career, what are they going to do? Who are they going to become when they don't have something that they're striving for anymore? So we really often work with people of how do we become successful leaders, continue to be successful leaders, but that I also have balance at home as well, right? That I can have both. And we want you to have both. We want you to have success in your work and in your professional life. We want you to succeed at the things that matter most in your life. So if you're starting to realize that work has become so much of your life and you're wrapped up in your identity and your success, we're going to give you five techniques to create more balance in your life professionally and personally today? The first thing to recognize is the role of technology in our work life. Uh, It's a wonderful gift, but compared to 5, 10, 15 years ago, there is so much easy access to technology, not only when we're in the office, but also when we're at home. So the very first thing that we have to do is be aware of that and start to create boundaries around our technology, right? So what this looks like practically is in the morning, I wake up first and I don't turn over to my phone. For a lot of us, we encourage to not set alarms on our phone because it's really easy. The alarm goes off and then I'm met with 10 emails that I can immediately start reading through. So put your phone in the other room and slowly enter text, emails, and social media rather than that being the first thing we do. And then on the reverse side of that, when we come home from the day, how do I get changed out of my work clothes, set down my phone on the charger, and enter into the kitchen with my family, 
right? If we have clear boundaries of there is a time and place for this technology rather than it seeping into every minute of our day. The second thing that we can do is create intentional transitions in our day. So what this looks like practically is when you pull into your home or your apartment or wherever you live outside of work, taking those 30 seconds to take a couple deep breaths and think about the energy and mood that you would like to bring into that setting. Okay. Do you want to bring in your stress? Do you want to bring in your rigidity? Do you want to bring in your performance? Or would you like to bring in more calm and peace and a sense of connection? Take those 30 seconds and those breaths to center your energy and to get clear on what are your intentions moving forward. The second thing you can do within this uh, around creating intentional transitions is shorten your meetings. Most of us are work on 60-minute meetings throughout the day, and we block those meetings back to back to back to back. And what I've actually practiced in my own life is creating 45-minute meetings as consistently as I can. And that gives me a 15-minute window to use a restroom, to get some food, or to take a break and transition into my next meeting. When you go from meeting to meeting, you don't have time to process the meeting you just had, nor do you have time to prepare for the meeting ahead. So you're really giving people the worst of yourself. You're not giving them the best of yourself. You're flying from thing to thing without intentionality. So if you generally have 60-minute meetings, set those meetings at 45 minutes, and I can guarantee you, you are going to get just as much done in 45 minutes as you did in 60 minutes. There's a lot more we could say here. And if you want to hear more, you can go back on our podcast a couple of weeks where I talked about five things you can do to slow down. We mentioned one of these tactics as well as a couple other techniques in that podcast as well. The third thing that we can really focus on is making time for non-transactional relationships. So as Andy just mentioned, we spend a lot of time going from one meeting to the next, which is very productive, and I'm fitting as much in my day as I can. But it often makes the relationships around us very much a means to an end. Instead, how do we make time at work and at home to really connect with the people that I'm talking to? At work, these are kind of the water cooler moments, right? I have that 15-minute break to just ask the person next to me how they're doing, what it's like at home for them right now, what their struggles are. And at home, planning time with close friends and family on a regular basis. So we spend so much of our life with our colleagues uh, that those are our primary relationships in a lot of ways that we need to schedule time for the people that I would consider close friends and family as well. So making one or two times a month for uh, family trips or a date night, right? Being really intentional about the time we have outside of work as well. The fourth thing you can do is learn to say no. And what this looks like practically is you got to get really good at telling people what you do and what you don't do. Okay, If you don't tell people what you don't do, they're going to assume that they can ask anything from you. You have to create boundaries and get clear around, hey, this is what I'm really good at. This is my unique ability. This is my gifts. And this is what I'm not good at and what I should not be doing. You need to vocalize that and communicate that to the people in your life so they have clarity around who you are and who you're not. The second thing you can do there is filter your words. Instead of saying, I will, let me, or instantly yes, Say the following instead. Let me think about that. I might have an idea on how I might be able to help you later down the road. 
Or you could say, would it be beneficial if I, and I really like that one because you're, you're not just assuming that you know what the person needs in front of you and committing to something. You're asking, hey, would it be beneficial if I did X, Y, and Z? And if they say yes, then you can move forward. And if they say no, you get further clarity on what exactly they need from you. The last thing you can say to filter your words is, I can't promise this. Let me take a look at my schedule and see if I can fit it in. Okay, that's giving you a little bit of breathing room to go back, look at your schedule, make sure that it aligns with who you are, what's most important in your life, and it actually fits into your schedule. So instead of instantly saying yes, you have to have these filter words in your life to create boundaries between instantly saying yes to people. Now, the third thing you can do here is hard, but it's vitally important. If you have committed to something that you can no longer fulfill, you have to go back to those people that you promise things to and and let them know that you're no longer able to fulfill those commitments. Now, this is going to be painful and this is going to be frustrating for you, especially if you're one to keep saying yes to projects and things that you realize, oh, later on I realize I can't do this. But you know what this is going to teach you to do is stop doing that because <laughs> it's going to be painful every time you have to go back and apologize. This is a good tactic and technique for you to slow that train down and recognize, oh, man, it really sucks to have to go back to someone and say I'm sorry every time I commit to something. So I need to learn how to say no more often because it's really breaking down my relationship relationships. But you have to go back and you have to repair and you have to apologize for those times when you overcommitted. The final thing in really trying to create balance in our life is how do I find identity in who we are and not what we do? And that's ultimately this whole conversation, but there are practical ways that we can really aim to do that. The first example would just be finding a hobby, right? Hobbies end up telling us of what brings me life, what brings enjoyment, Um, Am I more of an artist or an athlete? Do I enjoy comedy shows? Like, what does that tell me about who I am? Another thing that I would recommend is read for pleasure rather than exclusively self-help books. A lot of us view reading for pleasure as kind of a waste of time, but reading for pleasure teaches us about ourself, right? It brings up various emotions or connecting to different characters and the emotions that bring up as we connect to different stories. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we know that there will be a time in the future when I'm not working, right? We think of an athlete who has gone through a serious injury and they're out for a season. If all of their identity is in their performance or their sport, they're going to feel broken down, right? Because they don't know who they were outside of the field. And it's the same thing for us, right? How do we know who I am that even in seasons when I'm not having as much output or productivity as I have historically, that that's not the only thing that I identify myself with. Yeah, and if you struggle with wrapping up your identity in your work and in your success, work inevitably will be too much of your life because you're trying to achieve something from work that you can't get from work. And that is identity, worth, purpose, and meaning. Work is not meant to be the way we get that. It's meant to be the way we fulfill our purpose in our life that comes from within. So once again, if work is too much of your life, trying these five techniques. Number one, create rituals and boundaries around your technology. Put your phone to sleep at night, and when you wake it up in the morning, enter into that process slowly. The second thing you can do is create intentional transitions, and what we mean by that is cutting down those 60-minute meetings into 45-minute meetings and having a little breathing room in between your next thing. 
The third thing is to make time for non-transactional relationships. Connect with people simply to connect, not to have something completed in that process or to get something in return out of that meeting. Simply connect to hear someone's story and learn a little bit more about who they are. The fourth thing is learn to say no by filtering your words instead of just saying yes or I will instantaneously. And lastly, finding your identity in who you are, not in what you do. Once again, your identity is based in who you are as a person. It is not based in your accomplishments and your success. And if it is, you're going to have a hard time finding balance in your life from personal life and into work. If this is an area that you struggle, we're consistently putting out resources on our podcast to help you pursue wholeness in your work, life, and relationships. And we also have coaches on board who will walk alongside with you. You can reach out to us at pursuewhole.com if you want more information on that. Once again, as a reminder, leaders have the power to change the world, but it's whole leaders who are going to change that world for the better. Thanks so much for listening. For more resources, links, and show notes, visit pursuewhole.com and click podcast. Before we go, it would be extremely helpful if you would please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you find this podcast. This helps me understand my audience better and serve more leaders such as yourself. That's it for me this week. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or other social platforms, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Pursue Whole Podcast. Oh,